This podcast may be one big clunky tumble down the stairs, but this episode is a good reminder that sometimes we say things worth listening to. In part two, we're focusing in on how imposter syndrome impacts those with ADHD and autism specifically, why it happens to us so frequently, how society contributes to feelings of inadequacy and exclusion, and what we can do about it, along with some real-life examples of actual imposters throughout history that should make you feel better about your own situation, or at least give you the hope that you can get away with it. If you're tired of trying to keep too many hats in the air, or you're in search of sound advice such as scam a bank and steal a plane, look no further than this final part to imposter syndrome. They said that we'd grow out of it. Well, the joke's on them, that's just our brains. We're eccentric, loud, and stubborn. And most of our clothing is covered in stains. It's not a deficit of attention. There's just too much to think about. So if executive dysfunction becomes a little too much, if you forgot why you came in this room, or you're hypersensitive to touch, then put on your seamless socks and come join our little flock. Bitches stimming together, we're weirds of a feather. Weirds of a Room sounds. Room sounds. Room sounds. sounds room. Oh, are you changing it? You don't know. No. I know it's a new year, but we don't need that kind of change in our lives. Yeah, let's not get crazy. No, 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 no. can only room handle sounds. so much. Give me some room sounds. Sounds in, in the room. room. All around I'm afraid us. to talk into these mics. Why? I'm afraid it will talk back. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how they work. I know, but it's like, it's they're so advanced. Yeah, we got new mics. New mics. Old, same old that us. We, we don't know how to use, but here we are. Christopher got us hooked up with them. You know, have you ever seen something and you're like, that's too advanced for me? You know, All the time. Yeah. You're like, I... Couldn't handle that. Can't handle that type of technology. Yes. Yeah, that's how I feel about these mics. Well, luckily... These buttons. It's out of our hands. Yeah. If they fail, it's on Christopher. Yep. It's Nothing not on us. Yeah. <laughs> and that's nice, in a that's sense, n- <laughs> you know, out of our control. Yeah. I feel like Ian has the philosophy in life that if something is going to go wrong, he would rather be the one in control. Like, he doesn't like flying. He would rather be the pilot. Mm. I'm the total opposite. I'm like, if something goes wrong, I'd rather have it not be my fault. I don't want to be in control. I don't want that responsibility. Like, oh, well, nope. nothing I could have nope. done. Yep. Plane's going down. Yep. I don't think I could handle it better than no. a pilot. Same with driving. Same. If I'm going to get in an accident, I want it to be someone else's fault. I don't want it to be my fault. I most certainly don't want it to be my fault. Because it would be. It would be. I'm a terrible driver. I got into a little fender bender down the street the other day. I got hit by a teacher from our old what? middle school. Yeah. A teacher from Lincoln Middle School. I was Who going taught to- us? No. Oh. She was teaching <laughs> at Moore at the time when we were in middle school. Oh, no. She... I was going up to quality like seven in the morning. I was running up to quality what shop. What car did you have? I was driving the truck. Oh, the truck. The truck. Ian's truck. Oh, I was his going baby. up to going up to quality to just grab us a couple of things for breakfast. So it was like stupid. Also, you know, I was like I was on the road for literally a minute. Yeah. It's a two-minute drive down walked. the street. Yes, but not gonna happen. Nah. I was going through a four-way stop. She went, she was coming at me. 
was supposed to stop. She, she said didn't. her foot slipped off the brake. Oh. And so I was like, what is this lady doing? I'm like halfway through the four-way stop and she's just like coming towards me and not stopping and just like kind of slow motion crunches <laughs> into the, the front of my car. I was like, like hello. Hi. We were like making eye contact while she was doing it. <laughs> I did the whole, you know, throw my arms up in the air. But I felt really bad. She felt really bad. Her car mostly got smashed. Oh. Ours is ours was mostly okay. It's got, you know, the grill is kind of fucked up. But oh, no. it was mostly her car. But it was the day before Christmas break and she's a middle school teacher. Oh. I was like, I understand. No. I, I oh, ended up being... Like one, she's probably really upset. Yeah, her. I bet. Poor thing. I ended up being the one to console her and, you know, she felt you're, really bad. She apologized a million times. I was like, it's okay. I was mad at first, but she wasn't being a jerk. You know, she's probably just yeah. tired and her foot slipped off yeah, the brake. Yeah, it's just like one of those things, you know, you can only do so much. Yes. I was like, it's accidents happen, but I was so fucking annoyed because I had such a busy day. <laughs> I was just trying to grab... A Danish from Quality Shop. <laughs> I just need my Danish. I need my Danish. Yeah, I'd taken my meds, but I hadn't had food yet. Oh, so I was like was so hungry. Running. Yes, I'm like, I gotta go. She, yeah. I didn't even call the police because I'm like, I don't, this is such a stupid little accident. Mm-hmm. I think you're technically supposed you're to. You're supposed to call the police. But I was like, please don't. A non-emergency number, which I don't know what that is. I don't know. You but... think if you call 911, they'd give it to you? one <laughs> was your emergency. I need the non-emergency yeah. number, but I need it now. Please. That's an emergency. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think technically you're supposed to call the police, but I was like, let's just not even bother. I need my Danish. Mm-hmm. And then I went to quality shop afterwards and got there my Danish. Did. What kind? It's a cheese Danish. Ooh. I get the same one every time. Yum. Yep. Yum. All right. Should yeah. we get this little show ski on the road? Yeah, ski? I got a good warm up question. Okay, I think you're gonna like it. Well, let's is... let's introduce the show first. Oh, God damn it. Yes. Let's not get carried away. This is. Weirds of a Feather, an ADHD-adjacent podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Stanhope. And I'm your host, Grace Beret. All right. All right. Now... Can I ask my warm-up question? Rip, please. Okay. Now that we've done the formalities. Yes, gotten those technicalities out yeah. of the way. Um, I think you're going to like this because it's about TV and Ooh, you love TV. I do love TV. All right. If you could have dinner with any... I'm going to call it a crew, but like a group of people from any TV show. It doesn't have to be the main crew. It could be mm. like an adjacent crew. It could be like the tech Tech people, an adjacent crew, like, like in the office, like instead of having dinner with like Jim and Pam, you'd have dinner with like the sound guy. No, <laughs> you mean like supporting, uh, no. supporting, supporting actors? Yeah, like you'd have um, dinner Pam, with the camera guy or something. Script writers, okay. N- no, no, oh. other characters that aren't the main character. It could be the main characters, but it could also be not the main characters. Am I having dinner with the actors themselves or the characters? The characters. Characters. That's a good question. I think I got to go New Girl. Either New Girl or Parks and Rec. And then what specific characters? April, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not Andy, because even though we're talking characters, it's still played by Chris Bratt, and I don't care for that man, so... No one, Andy's out. No one does. I'd like to have probably. I less. do like Andy the character. I do too, but because that was like pre-famous Chris Pratt. Yes, you know? back when he was. I don't know if he was normal or he was just hiding how yeah. much of an asshole he is and was waiting it's for before fame. Before he knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, back in those innocent days. Um, probably throw Leslie in there. Yeah. Ron Swanson, although I don't know if he'd be very interested in talking to me. Yeah, I don't know if we would get along. He and I. Yeah. But either that or I'd like to do, you know, Nick, Jess, 
Schmidt. Winston, also from New Girl. Yeah. Ferguson. Winston and Ferguson, about to eat some pasta. Winston's cat. Oh! (laughs) His smushy face cat. That's right. Yeah. Ferguson. What about you? I would do the Belchers. Ooh. From Bob's Burgers, obviously. All of them? Um, Probably all of them. I think it'd be chaotic, and I would have to, like, go in there, like, take a couple deep breaths. Because, you know, kids, I, I, yeah. I maybe not have dinner with them, but have dinner adjacent to them mm. and just kind of be there. Observe them. Observing. Like they could talk to me, but I don't I don't want to be like the main topic of conversation. You know, I want I would just want to observe them in the wild. All right. That's a good one. Would you have Gail there? Of course. Gail and Mr. Business. I would have <laughs> Gail because she's it's like looking at Gail is like looking into my future. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, I love a little Gail. But then also, you know, the food's going to be good because they're going to make burgers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You could... So it's a it's a it's a win win for me. Exactly. Maybe Tina could read you a little bit of her uh, oh friend my God. fiction. Friend exotic. Uh, what is it? Erotic fa- friend fiction. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be down for that. <laughs> I'd be down for that. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't like that? Right. Besides her friends. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good answer. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. should we get into a little cartwheel on into this? Yeah. Yeah. What do we call it? Slumble? Shumble? Shumble. Shumble? Yes. Yeah, we're calling it shumble. Let's shumble on into this. <laughs> we had like a term. I don't know what it was. It's going to be slap and tumble. Slap and slumble. stumble. Strumble. Oh, we thought about it. I think slap and tumble sounds too much like slap and tickle. And so I think oh, we should just call it is sh- that shrumble. Let's shrumble on into this. Slap and tickle? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. Isn't it like a sexual thing? The old slap and tickle? <laughs> Anyways, let's shrumble on into this. This is nothing. I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. Are we slap- supposed to be doing that? Slap and tickle? No. Okay. Good. Because a- I'm not. <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't really know what it means. Slap and tickle. Hold on. Cue the music. I just. Oh, it's British English. The old slap and tickle. Yeah. It means it's British informal and old fashioned, I guess, term for sexual play. They were having a bit of. They were having a bit of slap and tickle. Oh. So I was right. Well, it is just kind of general sexual activity. Okay. A British term. The old That's slap and tickle. That's really funny, and we should definitely bring that back. All right. Should we slap and tickle? No, on into I mean, this not episode? in that way. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Let's not slap and tickle our way into the next segment. Maybe let's. Shrumble. Shrumble. Yep. Shrumble, and here we go. One, two, three, go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, fucking let's get into little, little accomplishments. accomplishments. This is nothing. This is nothing. All right. Little accomplishments, but big in our hearts. Yeah. I always think it needs a yeah at the end. Yeah, add it. Add, add it. it. All right, Kristen, what did you accomplish? I undecked the house. Undecked. Uh, you know how you deck the halls? Yeah. And you, you have to undeck. So you undecked the halls. I undecked the halls. You put all your Christmas decor away? Almost. It's in boxes in the living room, and I just have to put the boxes away. Pretty impressive. Except for the Christmas tree, which I need assistance. But that's okay. You got it's a good all, start. All the ornaments are off. Well, I had to because 
are we were under siege, and I think I already discussed this in Enya's episode, but our cat um, has taken over our lives, and I haven't gotten a moment's peace since we've put up our Christmas decorations. Mm. So although I am sad to see them go, I am happy to not deal with them. Yeah, that sounds like a reason to not have cats. I... The other two are fine, and they could care less about the Christmas tree. And it's just this one peaceful angel in particular who's driving me bananas. Oh, he just wants to play. He does want to play, and we do play. That's the thing. It's like, oh, maybe he's just bored. Bored with what? Bored with the 45 minutes of play every Saturday morning that he gets? Bored with the big, giant, one of those cat wheels that we got him or the whole friggin' jungle gym we have in the basement? This cat has everything. Hear that, John Ralphio? He's got everything. Ungrateful son he of a bitch. He has literally everything. We do all the things. It's just not enough. <sighs> well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I don't know what to tell myself. Anyway, so, yeah, but Grace, congrats. what did you do? What did you accomplish? I used a gift card that I got for last Christmas. I think one was from last Christmas. I hadn't used it in a year. And I think the other one to the same bookshop might have been from my birthday the year before that. Well, there you go. So two I've been sitting on these, so. right? I've been sitting on these two <laughs> gift cards for over a year. Mm-hmm. Been meaning to go to the bookstore for over a year. I finally did. Nice. Christmas shopping with my mom. She got me the gift card. Did you get it for? I got it for myself. Oh, I was going to say, did you get it for a Christmas present for this year? No, I bought myself a little treat. Bought myself a little book. Nice. Yeah. So I was proud of myself for using a gift card. A funny story. Sure. About, so every year our family gets together and rather than getting gifts for everybody, we decide to do like a Yankee swap. And for those of you, or some people call it a white elephant. Um, Isn't a white elephant different from a Yankee yeah, swap? Yeah, it's a little different because the white elephant, you get a silly gift. Yeah. We do Yankee swap, which is white elephant, but not so silly. And so, so a Yankee swap. Yeah. <laughs> so not, not a white elephant. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what I said. We do a Yankee swap, which is a white elephant, but not silly. That's what okay. I meant to say. Okay. If I didn't say that, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> that's what she meant. That's what. <laughs> but so, Christopher. I know. The week leading up to Christmas, I go, don't forget, like, got to get a Yankee swap for the Christmas, for the family Yankee swap. I was like, we have a cap on it. It's like 20 bucks. Boom. And he's like, yep, yep, yep. He's like, my family loves scratchies. That's like mm. the thing that always goes. And so I was like, why don't you just go down to the store and get a scratchy, a scratch off ticket for people not from Maine. Scratchy. Uh, scratchy. And uh, he's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it, do it. Christmas Eve night, he goes, I forgot a gift. And I was of like, course. oh, my God. Classic. <laughs> I'm like, you got to figure something out. I don't know what to tell you. I was like, you want to like, <laughs> you have a bottle of liquor you want to give up that's not open or like, what do you want to do? And so he's like, I'll re-gift. He found a, it's like a gag gift, and it's spam socks in a spam container. So it's like spam, like the food spam. Yes, yes. And so so definitely re-gifted. When did he get it? At the Yankee Swap last year. And he's like, this will be fine. And I was like, Everyone's going to know. Everybody forgot except for the person who gave that gift. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) And I was like, well, you can't just give socks. I was like, why don't you just put a $20 bill in there and call it a day? And he's like, okay. And that's what we did. 
And so my cousin picks out the gift and she's like unwrapping it. And she's like, oh, cute little spam socks. And and then she like takes out the 20. She's like, ooh, 20 cash. And everybody's like, oh, that's a good gift. We love cash. Mm. Um, and and then she's like, oh, what's this? A fucking gift card to a <gasps> restaurant for $25 oh, that no. we forgot about. We uh. both go, oh, shit. And, Going and over the limit. <laughs> They're like, wow, this is a really good gift, Christopher. You really shouldn't have. And I'm like, yeah, you really shouldn't have. You should not have. <laughs> Whoops. Well, He's so quirky. Yeah. <laughs> Made everyone else look bad also. Yeah. And I'm sure the person who got him that so- the socks also got him the gift card. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was my aunt who was like, oh, you guys. <laughs> She's so nice. She's like, ah, oh, you're so silly. <laughs> so silly. You guys are so quirky. Um, Yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Well, nice. All right. All right. Well, as you usually say, pish posh, oh gosh, let's get into it. That's absolutely not what That's I say. That's so you. You I always hate say that. that so much. It's so clunky. The more you hate it, the more it I'm going like to say it. It sounds like you're stumbling down the stairs as you say it. Yeah. Pish posh. <laughs> That's what it sounds That's like. That's kind of it's, our podcast. Too, yeah, I know, but I just... Uh, it's I one don't, big uh, tumble down the stairs. I <laughs> would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more you hate it, the more I like it. So I hope you know that. We have meat today. <laughs> yes, all right. I don't know how to transition any... <laughs> we have meat today. We have... It is the meat. It's it meat. is the it's meat. meat. It's meat. It's meat. <laughs> we we have meat. What is it? It is the meat. That's our thing. Yeah. So a while back, we talked about imposter syndrome. And then I was like, we'll make a part two discussing ADHD. Well, boop, 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 we love to here say we that. are. Well, no, we're following through. We actually did it. And for some reason, it took a little piece of my soul. But here we are. We've done it. It's the holidays. It's been, Struggling. Yes. But we're here. But we're here we're and we've it. done it. So to recap. A couple episodes ago, we talked about imposter syndrome, imposter phenomenon, imposterism, whatever you want to call it. In brief, imposter syndrome is a phenomenon where one, even though they're highly skilled or an expert in their field, they perceive themselves as fake or phony in that area, even thinking maybe they're going to be found out or discovered being fake. And... As we kind of discussed, like, why this was happening among people, specifically in minority groups, and kind of, like, looking into, there's a bunch of, like, self-help TED Talks and podcasts and BuzzFeed articles saying, like, you know, 10 ways to cure your imposter syndrome. It's more, what we kind of discovered is that there's more of, like, a systemic issue dealing with ableism and racism, misogyny, homophobia, all of the bigotry, and... You know, and if you want to learn more, go please, please, please go back and listen to part one because that's what we talked about. Yep. There was some yelling involved per usual. Well, yeah, you're um, gonna get you're gonna get yelling. You're gonna yeah. get yelling. Yeah, and 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 I think it, it all in all it was a good episode. But then, but what what we're here to do today is discuss specifically why people with ADHD, people with autism, people with ADHD have um, imposterism and what we can do about it. So yeah, so that's what we're doing. All right. Yeah. I'm ready. So why are ADHDers, why are neurodivergents, why are they, quote, at risk for imposterism? And I want to say, going back to our first episode, um, reason number one may be due to ableism. Mm. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The world is set up to be for neurotypicals. You have, you know, the modern day workforce runs on a nine to five schedule. It runs on routine. It runs on doing the same thing every day. And that's really the opposite of what a neurodivergent brain would prefer. Well, some autistic brains prefer that, but there are other elements to that, like the sensory aspect of things, right. the, you know, the self-regulation stuff. Uh, the executive functioning aspects that also make that yeah. Uh, I guess that was more of an people. example. Mm. Yeah, okay. It's not set up for neurodivergent brain. It is set up for the neurotypical brain. It is set up for the majority. Hmm. Um, one study which I did link in below, kind of they were kind of studying imposterism in. Um, ADHD, and they kind of noticed that a lot of neurodivergent people would enter into creative fields that have like a more flexible uh, schedule or not really a typical office job, or they would work for themselves. Mm. And I thought that was interesting because what we were going to kind of talk in a little bit about is, you know, working for yourselves, you don't have like a boss to um, answer to or to do things to a specific way. Um, I think ADHDers are like six times more likely to be entrepreneurs. Yes, that's exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that comes for ADHD specifically. They were kind of theorizing maybe it's our impulsivity too, Mm. um, willingness to take risks. Mm. But with autism, not so much. But that's... Well, I feel like with autism and ADHD, but autism especially, you have that like strong reaction to injustice mm-hmm. where, you know, a lot of things in the workplace are set up on hierarchy where yes. it's not necessarily the smartest person who's best at the job who's going to be the CEO. Obviously, it's going to be the white man usually who could, you know, use his position or right. use his social connections to like move their way up. And that can be extremely frustrating to yeah. watch as, you know, a neurodivergent person who doesn't handle that injustice well, who believes in, like, equity and equality and thinks that, you know... I was just talking to someone about this who shall shall remain nameless, but at their work, they hired a new manager, and their friend was kind of... who's been working there for a while was Mm. kind of hoping to get this manager position. Instead, they hire a person who has quit not just like left two weeks notice, but suddenly quit twice. But she has manager experience, so they right. hired her again for From the, the third. Same, the same company? What? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. And so... I would quit on the spot. Uh, he, so this person is seeing their friend who works, who's trying to get this manager position. Mm. And obviously the person who's trying to get the position is really upset. Yeah. But also the person who's seeing this happen, yeah. who is very much a neurospicy... And I can tell you, can you bleep out the name? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And, you know, they're very upset as well because it is one Mm. terrible decision. Yeah. Uh, And two, it's, it's, you know, yeah, they're having a very strong reaction to this injustice because one, it's a dumb decision. Like who's making these decisions? Um, and, you know, and it's it's hard to see, you know, a person you care about be hurt like that. And so. Mm. 
And that's the thing with that strong reaction to injustice. It's not just about you. It's also about watching it happen to other people. Mm. Like I and I think a lot of times autistic people can kind of be seen as like, I don't know, selfish or self-serving. But like I would be just as mad watching that happen to a co-worker right. as it's I would be like watching it happen to me. Extreme empathy is what yes, it is. I yes. would say, you know, I you cannot these... stand it. Right. And, and yeah. And I think that's it's hard for people with autism and people with ADHD to just like sit there and like take it, I guess. Yeah. That what I'm, like just saying like, oh, well, that's how the world works. Like life isn't fair. Like, no, it's not fair, but that's that's bullshit. And, and like, you, if you have the power to make it more fair, I think it's bullshit. When you're like, well, that's how the, the world works. The world works based on how we move throughout the world. You are a part of the world. Choose a more equitable decision. Right. And the world doesn't have to be quite as right, unfair. Right. Or, yes, and, like, seeing things run inefficiently yes. um, and just dealing with it. And people being like, oh, well, that's, that's how we do it. how we've always done it. And it doesn't make sense, especially when you are autistic. And I have been thinking a lot about this recently. I feel like Ian sometimes thinks that I need to always be right. But, no, I don't need to be right. I need for things to be correct, whether that information is coming from me, coming mm. from him, coming from the Internet. It's not about me. I don't personally – it's not about my ego. I always need to be right. I need for information to be accurate and it drives me crazy because the world doesn't operate that way right and it, and it should like you would just assume it would w wouldn't it be nice if it did yes and it's like the, i feel like the world can be so gaslighty when you're like well this is clearly a better way to do it so like logically this would be the best way to do right. it and people are just like act like you're nuts for proposing you do that yeah. yeah and it's like so infuriating it's right. hard to watch so a lot of us i feel like just don't even bother and yeah. we try to work on our own Yes. I also yeah. feel like PDA autism, especially mm. that pervasive uh, drive for autonomy, can lead to it being even more so difficult to work for a boss because, you know, don't fucking tell me what to do, especially right. if what right. you're telling me to do is like nonsense. Right. Another reason why is that what could lead to imposterism is stigma. ADHD, I think, in particular has mm. a stigma of people being like lazy and distracted and unmotivated. And as we know, that's just simply not true. Um, and in the right environment, the opposite is true. Mm. You know, I think with a stigma of ADHD, I think that causes people with ADHD to work harder to prove to not only themselves, but to others that, you know, they can do these things. They can mm. be given tasks. They can multitask. They're not lazy. They can meet deadlines. But it's really hard. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes we don't achieve those goals. But even if we do, I think since it takes so much to achieve those goals, we don't really think of it as achieving our goals. Mm. You know? Yeah. It's really like we're always just trying to, like, catch up or stay on right. the surface. So we never feel like we've accomplished things. It's like we just haven't lost we haven't failed I right guess. right exactly and and um yeah exactly and we don't really take this time to recognize our own achievements because it took so much to get there mm. um yeah that's a good way to put it you know and and i think the stigma of people with adhd being lazy and distracted and all these things mm. it really can um kind of like hinder your own self-worth in your career i mm. think yeah i agree i also think when we're talking about these things i know this episode is going to focus on adhd and autism mm -hmm. but as we're talking about ableism 
I also think it's important to keep in mind like other disabilities as well beyond neurodivergences. Like Mm -hmm. let's say you have a chronic pain condition, you know, or chronic fatigue condition or any type of physical disability, medical disability, you know, even, you know, things like fat phobia. There's all these studies about how fat people are treated in the workplace. They're given, you know, less, you know, lower salaries, fewer raises, fewer opportunities based purely on weight discrimination. Mm -hmm. And those are like really important aspects that we don't like think about or talk about as much, especially, you know, the fat phobia and everything. So I also just want to throw that out there if you're, you know, dealing with any of that additional stuff. Every additional marginalization that you have as a person is only going, going to compile on top of each other, you know. So if you are trans and indigenous and you have you know like a chronic multiple, disease yeah, yeah chronic illness multiple disabilities whether it's a visible or invisible disability like all of those just fucking compile on top of each other and then of course you're going to feel imposter syndrome because the system has pretty much told you you don't belong here it's so, also a broken system like especially people with chronic disease they may need to take more time off mm, yeah and so they may use up their regular leave but then have to take unpaid leave and they're you know seen as people oh they're always skipping work you yes know, like, no they're have a chronic disease yes but it's the same thing as with adhd where mm-hmm. people just assume you're being lazy you're right. unmotivated it's like no like i my energy baseline level is so much lower than everyone else's right right and yeah especially in a culture that uh, associates like disease and disability with like morality mm-hmm. i feel like we so look down upon anyone who, yeah, does have a chronic health condition or a disability and really they have nothing to do with each other. So not to throw in that ableism, the standard grace ableism rant in there. But, yeah, I just I think we left that out of the last episode. And I think that's important to mention as well that, you know, all types of disabilities along with neurodivergence. Exactly. Exactly. Another topic I want to talk about is rejection sensitive dysphoria mm. we spent a whole episode on this adhd is highly associated with the rejection sensitive dysphoria uh, and a fear of rejection can lead to perfectionism and as we kind of discussed in the last episode this over prepped pathway or even the procrastination pathway mm. that leads to this imposterism where you either feel the need to be perfect so you prep and prep and prep and prep for you know, either a presentation or a deadline or something like that, or you procrastinate because you don't want, you know, you don't even want to work on it because you don't want to fail. So you procrastinate to the very last end, like deadline. Yeah, that's very much you. (laughs) Yes. But I also have that perfectionism, you know, it's like I I think yours is you want it to be perfect. And to me, it seems like I don't even want to start because I know... I, I guess my thinking is what you're thinking. What I think you're thinking. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong. Is that no. your brain is like when I start, I know it's going to be a rough draft and it's not going to be perfect. And I don't want to start because I don't want that failure. Yes. Even though it's not even failure, it's yep. a rough draft. And I think that also ties into my invisible audience thing where I feel like I'm always being watched and observed. I can't even let my invisible audience see me doing a rough draft. Yeah. Like, I can't even put rejection it on. sensitivity. Yeah, because I'm like, what if someone came and read this? Which yeah. is so fucked up. What if one of my invisible people read it? Yeah, and they would and know that I wasn't perfect. laughed at perfect. Me. Yeah, yeah, they would know that it was stupid. It's almost, like, hard for me to write something as a rough draft and then, like, 
see that it's a rough draft myself. Yes. I'm like so hypercritical. I think right. I'm like looking at things through other people's eyes always. I'm not mm-hmm. looking at it through my own lens. I'm like always looking at everything I do through this like critical lens of other people, mm-hmm. which is terrible. You know, that's, that's awful. not that's, that's not, not a way to live. That's not yeah. healthy. It's not great. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like you don't even want to start because you know that that rough draft isn't going to be perfect. Yep. So you procrastinate to the last minute. Yep. Whereas I'm more of the over prepper where I can't write enough drafts. It's mm. like I'm writing and writing and writing and writing and writing to get it right. Yep. And I think that also ties into the executive dysfunction that comes with autism, mm. which is that inability to get started on things if you can't see the clear path of how to do every single step along the way. Right. And you can't see how it's going to turn out. Like, if I don't know what the result of something will be, I have the hardest time starting it. Because it's like, this could all be a waste of time, or maybe I won't know how to do it. So it's mm-hmm. like, my executive dysfunction from the autism side really gets in my way. I completely agree. I think that's why these two episodes were really hard for me to write, because... They both of them went in a really different way than what I was expecting. I think Mm. most of my I have like a semi mental template of how most my uh, most of my episodes go. Mm. And this kind of went in a different it's a different from what I'm used to writing. And it was kind of like developed as I was writing it. Yeah. And and but it wasn't like a clear like this. I didn't have like a clear outline and it was really difficult for me to write. But here we are. And I'm yeah. glad it's done. And and we're recording it now in we're real time. Go. Yeah. You've yeah. done it. You did a good job. We, well, thank you. I think we're not done yet. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> let us know in the comments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let us know how we're doing. Yeah. Just a little mid episode we'll update. Break. Yeah. Yeah. Call in. Take some feedback. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I also want to, the rejection-sensitive dysphoria really does tie in with perfectionism and people-pleasing, which we could, once again, spend a whole episode on, specifically Mm. people-pleasing. But we won't. We will talk a little bit about perfectionism. Um, Grace, you were kind of noticing that with autism, uh, the autistic brain notices all these little details and they're processing, you know, the neurodivergent brain is processing so much more information mm. than uh, there's no filter, right? So it's it's hard to filter out all these unnecessary details. We don't have synaptic pruning, babies. Oh, what a turn! Wait right? a minute. I need to do a synaptic whole episode on this. Pruning, yes. Like so a essentially, tree. yeah, that's a good way to think of it. Oh. So when when we're oh. all babies, yes, your synapses are firing and building upon each other and building new synapses. Yeah, think sure. of it as like roots or tree branches all spreading out. Mm-hmm. And as you grow up as a baby, you're, you know, having more and more synapses and you're kind of, your brain is branching out into all these different areas. Then for allistic brains, so non-autistic brains, you have what's called synaptic pruning, where your brain determines what is and isn't important stuff to keep. So for a you know, allistic baby's brain, as they get older, all those branches that have been grown, the brain will eventually prune those back down because it'll be like, well, you don't need all of this information. This is redundant. This is extra. Like, you don't actually need to remember how to do this because you're no longer a baby. Whatever it is, it cuts those down like a bonsai. You're trimming it down so you can have a healthy, growing, efficient brain. Mm -hmm. The autistic brain does not experience synaptic pruning. So we're fucking keeping all of those tree branches, all of those roots we don't that have need spread those branches. out. Yeah, we're Get keeping them. all of those branches. So we're not getting the synaptic pruning the way the allistic brains are. Mm-hmm. That's why we have so much more going on in our brains, which I feel like 
sounds like it could be a brag, but it's really not because it's it's very, very inefficient. It's so inefficient. And then and that kind of ties into the bottom up versus top Mm. down thinking, too. If, you know, you are processing all this information, you're thinking from the bottom up rather than like this top down which we both agree is probably much more efficient. Mm. And and so you may, it takes so much more time to go through all those little details and figure out what's important, what's not important, what should be included, what shouldn't be included, yep. all that time. And and that takes so much time and, and you're constantly going through this in your brain of like, what should I keep, what should I not keep, what's important, what's not important. Yep. Um, and, and it's enough to like drive you bananas yes. of like and you know if you talk to <laughs> an autistic person about their like subject of choice mm. everything's important yes. there's no way they can like y- you can't talk to them and say can you here's a 10 minute presentation you can't get no. it in 10 you can't get enough information in 10 minutes because it's almost impossible for them to like narrow down what's important, what's not important. I stay you know? up at night thinking about my Samhain Halloween informative info dump because I didn't have enough time to give all the information. And it like keeps me up at night where I'm like, oh, I, I left all this stuff out. Like, I just feel so guilty about it because I didn't give enough information. There's so much we'll have more. have to go back. I know. Next Halloween. I, I might have to revisit it. Revisit it. And but, it's, it's like me highlighting things. I'm terrible at highlighting because oh, everything's, everything's important. important. Yes, yeah. And then I have I've different stopped. colored highlightings because pink right? is especially important. And then orange but is like extra, not even ultra like important. Retaining information, you're just highlighting. Yeah, so you I'm know, just finding interesting bits. Yeah, yeah. I like to think of it as like a library, you know, where allistic people's brains, once they've gone through that synaptic proving, now they have you know only what they really need, and they can easily search their library and find the information. Whereas us, we might have 50 copies of the same book in different editions, and it's mm-hmm. you know we have the whole collection of books on this one topic when really you only need one, and we may have more information in there. Like if you need. To know, you know, what my shoes looked like in 1997, you know, I could probably tell you, but like, that's not necessary information. Yeah. So, you know, we can, those brains can be really clutch for very specific reasons, like especially if you have a job where you need to know this like information super in depth, it can be great for that. But just moving through day to day life. Yeah, it's so much arduous work to search these fucking millions of brain files. Right. And then if you're... You know, if you have this kind of perfectionism where you're like, well, everything's important and you can't cut it out. But if you're forced to, you know, do a presentation within a certain amount of time or, do you know, have all the information like I know in college we did a lot of poster presentations Mm. for research and you're like, I can't fit everything on a poster. There's so much more I want to talk about. And. Or like um, when they say your resume is only supposed to be one page. I'm like, how? What do you mean one page? Your CV is supposed to be longer. So you have both. You have one. Even then. I'm like, one page. It's hard. I just can't do it. I can't chop things down. I know. It's it's tough. (laughs) It sucks. It sucks. And and so, yeah. So it it might be because even though you're an expert and your work may be perfect to even like your coworkers or your boss, if you don't perceive it as perfect, then Mm. you may develop this kind of imposter phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and people pleasing is another big thing, but I think we're gonna just save it for another day because I think I I don't know if it's really like 
neurodivergent specific, but we could definitely It definitely talk. is. I mean, I think all people, you know, are capable of it. But I do think like with all of these topics, mm-hmm. when you have a neurodivergent brain, it kind of like takes it to the next level. Right. To the next level. <laughs> In the worst possible way. Yep. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about masking. Oh, well, do you want to talk about uh, the perfectionism that comes with ADHD? Oh, yeah. As oh, my well? God. Because I think that's yeah. so, a good area to cover. Yeah. And, and this is, once again, you mentioned this, but I liked it, so I put it in. Um, and yeah. so with ADHD, you know, you may have this perfectionism, but you also have this like deep shame about like forgetting details or forgetting deadlines or always, you know, moving the goalpost forward. Um, and you don't perceive yourself as perfect and you don't perceive your work as perfect. But it might be perfect. That's like the whole thing, right? Imposterism. I don't yeah, know if I mean, it's perfect. I mean, it could, yeah, it could or could not. But I think the big thing is that, like, I think we're so critical of ourselves and we're so hard on ourselves. Part of it is because we've had so much harsh feedback and we do take it yeah. harder than other people where it's like those feel well, so much. Well, that's the rejection sensitivity yeah. dysphoria. So it feels so much more cutting to us. And so mm-hmm. we develop a lot of shame. You know, rejection sensitive dysphoria is a nervous system response. Mm-hmm. Your nervous system is being activated when you perceive this rejection because it could be a threat, you know, to your right. livelihood, to your job, to whatever. And so I think we take those rejections harder And also, it does seem like we do tend to be shamed more for things that other people are doing, too. Yeah. But it's like something about us. People can just sense that there's something different about us. And so it seems to be pointed out with us a lot more. Whereas, like, lots of people in the world are very successful at their jobs or have good jobs. And they're not doing everything fucking perfectly. But it feels like because we're always trying to keep up with everything else and we always feel like there are so many moving parts that we could forget or we could miss or we could, you know, leave out that it just feels like we're always scrambling to keep on top of all our little, like, you know, nest eggs of tasks we have to do. Mm. And so, like, of course, you're going to have a lot more anxiety around forgetting those things because you can't just naturally, like, stay on top of them. Right, right. So I can, it can lead to a lot of, like, obsession really because it's like if i don't yeah. obsess then i let then my guard down it. and then yeah. I'll, yeah and then, and then things will fall apart exactly or and it won't be as great yeah and that can be really debilitating yeah no i i completely agree same with masking that can be debilitating yes um, absolutely so masking i don't think we've ever like officially talked about masking but i don't know maybe we have maybe we haven't yeah i don't think we, we haven't done an episode we haven't done an episode about masking but Basically, masking is just kind of like changing your behavior to fit in. Mm-hmm. And in reference to it's usually in reference to neurodivergence, especially in autism, where you change your almost like you're, you're wearing a mask. You're hiding your natural behaviors to fit in with the holistic mm. people. Yeah. And I think like some people talk about it in terms of like, you know, it's like we're trying to be neurotypicals, but it's Mm. not even that. Yeah. It's that we're trying to hide our neurodivergent traits because we've been told that they're wrong or they're shameful or they're embarrassing. They shouldn't. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing your arm flapping when you're upset. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be stimming or, you know, bouncing your leg when you have too much energy or you should be making eye contact. Right. You should be, you know, laughing a certain way when someone says this thing, you know, your when story should have a beginning, middle and end. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. Sometimes it just goes on and on. OK, just stick with me <laughs> um. <laughs> or things, you know, masking your sensory needs, things like that. Like, let's say yes. you work in an office and they have fucking fluorescent bright lights mm. on and, you know, you're really sensitive to fluorescent lights. You either need to 
try to talk to someone about changing them, which then everyone else will be mad at you and they'll be like, no, that's a ridiculous accommodation. Mm -hmm. Or you just have to like fucking suffer through it, which wears on your nervous system. Blue light glasses. I I don't wear glasses, but I wear these blue light glasses and I order them off a website that begins with an A. Mm. But. I uh, get like the extra yellowy tinted ones because the there's no way I can tell the hospital. Can you please shut off all your fluorescent lights? Because yep. that's all they have. Yep. Um, but I can get extra yellowy glasses to give everything a little bit more of a yellow tint. Mm. Um, and so and everybody asks like, oh, what do you wear glasses? And I'm like, no, I don't wear not for prescription purposes. But do I want to have a headache and and feel like I'm losing my mind at the end of the day? No. Yeah. So I wear these. Yeah. I feel better. And I think we, you know, kind of think of masking as just, you know, mostly social skills. But it mm-hmm. really is important to keep in mind that it is all of those little sensory things as well. Like, you know, yes. the temperature that people keep it in the office, the, you know, noises going on all around you. It's like you yes. have to be the one to accommodate yourself. Right. And if there's no way to accommodate yourself, like you're fucked. Just right. deal with it. Right. And be exactly. uncomfortable and pretend like you're not. Figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah, so even if you do have the knowledge, the expertise in your field, you still might be masking other aspects of the job, too. Mm. So you maybe you know, this might be like the way you communicate information, social interactions between coworkers responding to your boss. Um, You may feel like an imposter because you're masking your real self in order to kind of like get by at work Mm. and not even with like your actual job, but just like the social aspects. Like, how do you respond to an email? You can't just like blurt off the information Mm. and say, okay, thanks, bye. Um, You have to, you know, use all this like corporate lingo and let's circle back and like all, I don't know. I don't respond to emails. So, but that's what I've been told. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I look at them, but I don't respond. And then with autism especially comes with this difficulty. I don't want to say inability because I think it's all a spectrum. And some people have Mm. better social cue reading than Mm. others. Yep. But it's still a difficulty with reading social cues and kind of navigating social situations. And you may feel like you're overcompensating or you don't belong because it's difficult to decipher those social cues. Mm. Yeah, which I feel like isn't always talked about when it comes to imposter syndrome, but I thought it was a really important aspect of it that even if you do have all of this knowledge, you know, especially if you're autistic, you might have huge brain files of more knowledge than anyone could ever Mm -hmm. want on this topic. But yeah, if you're masking the more social aspects of the job, which is half the fucking job is to, you know, say hello to people properly in the morning and, you know, have chit chat at the water cooler and respect the hierarchy of the office. Yeah. And if you're not good at that stuff, then people are going to discriminate against you. And so that can lead us to feeling like imposters, too, like we're hiding the secret because we kind of are, you know, if we even if we have the knowledge, if we're not able to communicate it in a way that people will respond positively to. Exactly. We have to either, you know, say it anyways and people won't like us or we have to pretend and kind of play along with this way of interacting in a you know presenting this information in a way people find pleasing and then we are being kind of imposters so of course you feel like you're an imposter because it's like you got this little secret it is and i know and communication is key right it is important for you in any job to communicate effectively information that's you know how the human race has survived is communicating this information through you know whatever means verbal writings, hieroglyphics, whatever. But um, the social cues 
you know, if you have to read those social cues, that's all, that's so difficult. Mm. Um, I just... And a lot of times, yeah, it's not just social cues because there are a lot of social cues. There are a lot of social cues that I feel like I do pick up on if they yeah. make sense. But it's those implied social rules that you don't agree with. That yes, you're just like, that, I'm not going to follow this because it's dumb. Yes. Either that you don't agree with or that you don't know about. Like the whole thing where your boss asks you why you were late and he doesn't actually want your answer. He wants yeah. you to say sorry. That's a rule I just found out six months ago. I didn't know that was a rule. Yeah. And so even things like that, you know, and I think with autism, once again, we get we're so black and white. We get so caught up on like, well, I can socialize just fine. I can Mm -hmm. socialize just fine when it's a group of my friends or a group of other neurodivergent people or people I feel comfortable with. But then if you put me in this like office setting where it's like all these unspoken rules of how you're supposed to what's too much information. I don't know. Yes. The right information to uh, share. How much information do I share? Yep. That's that's the other thing. It's like, I know you asked me about my weekend, but do you, you I know you don't really want to know. You're just being polite. So it's navigating like how much information do I mm. tell you without seeming rude? Because I'll talk your ear off if you want me to. Yes. But I also have stuff to do. So I need to like get going. So like how much information do I share? Yep. What's um, the appropriate amount? Right. And I think we end up overcompensating a lot socially and work-wise because there are also those unspoken rules when it comes to a lot of jobs where mm-hmm. it's like, well, this isn't explicitly written in your job instructions, right. but, you know, there are you should just take initiative on this thing. You should right. just know to do this. And it's like we always feel like we're missing one of those things that no one's saying to right. us, but everyone's like, can't believe she's not picking up on that or doing that. Yeah. And so I think that also leads to a lot of masking and anxiety because, yeah, we don't know the appropriate amount of, is this too much to do? Is this too little to do? And so I feel like I'm always missing something. There's always something socially or work-wise that, like, everyone knows this and everyone just knows that you should be doing this and I'm just not doing it. It's not because I'm lazy or because I don't want to do it. It's because no one's told me and I don't just take initiative on things often because I don't know what that would be. Right, right. I have an office manager who is on our side. She doesn't know it, but she is. And then I have my boss, and he's like, oh, the only thing about her is that she never takes initiative. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but when you tell her to do the task, doesn't she do it perfectly? Mm. And he's like, yes. And I was like, okay, then what is the problem? And he was like, well, I guess I never thought about it like that before. Oh, look at you getting someone in a common dish. I know. I was like, well, I was like, she just probably just needs to be told what to do, which is fine. If she does it perfectly, I'd rather have that than someone who takes initiative and screws it up or does something that I don't need them to do, you know? Or we try to take initiative, but it's the wrong thing. It's the wrong thing. And then people get mad you're at us. You're taking initiative on the wrong thing. Or yep. you're like overstepping. Yes, you, yes. That you didn't know that you were overstepping. Yes. There are times where I'm like, I'm going to take initiative on this. I I've recognize this as a problem and I see a solution. And right. then I do it. And people are like, why'd you do that? Right. I'm like, oh. And then you have that RSD. You feel yes. so much shame. I've done that so And many then you're times. too scared to take initiative in and the future. Like, so proud of yourself yes. that you'd like look at me getting things done. They'll be so happy. Yeah. And they're like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Who did this? Who did this? And you're like, oh no. Yes. Who did this perfectly? Yes. God damn it. And I feel like that accommodation of, you know, you need to be told what to do. I feel like a lot of people look at that as like being lazy once again. But I can take initiative on things if I've already seen the routine and then I come in right. the next day and I know the routine. And I can do it. But just coming up with what to do, I'm like, right. that's, I have no idea. That's the thing. Like certain projects like 
for an office manager, you know, she's she's juggling a lot of hats, but every once in a while. Is that is that the saying? <laughs> yeah. No, no. She's wearing a lot oh. of hats. She's juggling <laughs> a lot of hats. <laughs> she's juggling a lot of balls. She's wearing this a lot of hats. Always happens. What is wrong? You were so confident. I would just, I'm surprised you caught that because I was well, just I was like imagining someone juggling hats. Yeah, I'm like, that's not a common item to juggle. Yeah. Fucking caps for sale over caps here. Caps for sale. Oh, yeah. what a stressful book. We've yeah. already talked about it, yes. but it is a really stressful book. Um. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> She's juggling a lot of hats. She's juggling a lot of hats. Getting by by the skin of her lips. And (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I think that should be the episode title. (laughs) Juggling hats. I'll work it in. I'll work Um, it in there. I know you will. I have to sneeze now. Lately, I've been having a lot of dad sneezes. Scare the living shit out of me. scream? Yeah, I can't help it. I hate those. Oh. I scare myself. I woke Christopher from a dead sleep. He's like, what's wrong? And I was like, just having a dad sneeze. Just a dad sneeze. Uh, so she's multitasking. Yeah. She's a lot on her plate. A lot of hats on her plate. A lot of, there's so many hats. To eat. Fedoras. Yeah. Caps. Visors. Visors. Yeah. Uh, earmuffs. Yarmulkes. Are earmuffs hats? No. They okay. are not. Ear they're, they're accessories. Their own Ear- entity. Earmuffs were invented in Farmington, Maine. Get out. Fun fact for you. Really? Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> that's a fact that I know. That's, Hopefully it's right. That's such a... We have, what, how, do you have earmuffs? No. I also don't own earmuffs, but I feel like I should now. Yeah. A solidarity. As a, what, yeah. If I, what if we made our slogan Maine, home of the earmuff? That'd be nice. <laughs> Instead of, what's our slogan right now? Open for business. Open for business. Ugh. It's fucking stupid. It sounds so awful. It should be. Vacation land. Yes. Because it's always been vacation land. Yes. And then someone isn't decided. not it the way, the way things should be? Is that the way. The way we were. <laughs> something like that. The way life should be or something like that. Yeah. It was something cute. And then they're like, how do we make this worse? Let's take something that's not broken and that everybody loves and let's ruin and let's it. Let's add in capitalism. Yeah. Open for business. That's going to make me take my business elsewhere. Yeah. Only Mainers are laughing right now. That's okay. Um, a little local humor. Locals. Local jokes get local work. That's what oh. they say. All right. So what should let's... we do about this imposter yeah, syndrome, okay, Kristen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, well, eh. Not much. Um, (laughs) No, we discussed in our last episode that this is more a systemic issue. Um, There's no, like, quick fix or individualized plan. There's no meditation or self-help that's going to, like, solve this entirely. Um, However, talking about it and being more aware of it, either in yourself or um, systemically in chatting amongst yourselves, like your coworkers, if you're like, wow, I feel really incompetent right now hopefully your coworkers will be like no you're being crazy this your work is great you're doing a great job um or they're like we've all been thinking it <laughs> so we actually have a meeting at three o'clock yeah your worst <laughs> thoughts are confirmed yeah <laughs> 
yeah. So so talking about it, being more aware of it in yourselves and your coworkers and mm. others uh, systemically is very very helpful. You know, if if I think like we said last time, if you're you know chatting with your coworkers and saying like, ah, oh, I feel like my, the boss is always ragging on me. I can't do anything right. I'm like the worst employee. Maybe, maybe your coworkers point out like, actually, no, he's picking on you, and it's really weird, and we're mm, all uncomfortable with yeah. it, right? Like, and at least you have confirmation. Now you have confirmation that, like, yeah, that that's oh, well, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's it's a him or a her mm. issue. So, uh, anyway, being more aware of it is the number one key. And and I know I chatted about this last episode too but there is a podcast called i have adhd podcast and um she did an episode about uh imposter syndrome and at the end she said and i think she was going in a drastically different direction than i went in um but here we are and she said in the end you have to think of yourself like are you actually an imposter do you have a, like a medical degree? Do you have, did you pass the bar and you now you have a license to practice law? Mm. Do you have advanced degrees in your field? Have you won awards? Are you, you know, are you actually an imposter? Are you actually like incompetent? Mm. Um, thinking about the bigger pictures. And so in lieu of that, I kind of took it in a different direction. And I think you listeners... I can't say for every single one of you because I haven't met all of you. But most of you are not imposters. There's and a few of you out there, but most of you I'm are sure not. I'm sure there's a couple. <laughs> who are faking it. Faking it. But to further make my point, I made an actual list of actual imposters throughout history. And I'd like to share them with you. Wonderful. So yeah. you can be like, hey... At I'm least not I'm an not an imposter yeah, like, like this. That guy's really I mean, an imposter. That guy's like the worst. And he pulled it off. He got and away he with it for it a long yeah, time. Yeah, a lot of these stories are you're just like, wow, I can't believe they like actually pulled it off. I feel like it's helpful yeah. as a reminder. Instead of reminding yourself that you're competent enough, remind yourself that less competent people than you have pulled it off pulled and gotten off away with it. Way, way bigger things. Yeah. So yeah. you can pull it off too. Even if right. you are an imposter, fuck it. No yeah. one's going to notice probably. Probably. Yeah. Right? So let's get into it. Ready? Yep. First guy is Frank Abignali. Abignali. Yes. Yeah. So this guy, he was a con artist in the 60s who posed as a pilot, most notoriously, on Pan Air Airlines. He also was a doctor, and he forged thousands of checks. He was the inspiration for the movie Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, later, he was caught by the FBI, and they used him as a resource for check fraud. Nice. Yeah. And that guy was putting people's lives at risk. Yep. You know? He, yep. He posed as an actual doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a pilot. He was and flying a, and people a pi- Well, no, I think he got like free rides. Oh. He didn't actually fly the plane. That's a good idea. Um, But we'll get into it. There was another guy who d- actually did operate on people. Um, <laughs> Anna Anderson uh, was a lady in the 1920s who claimed to be Anastasia, the lost daughter of the Russian royal family. Oh, of the movie Anastasia? Uh, y- yes. Oh. <laughs> Turns out that was false and they did a DNA test in the 90s and that wasn't true. So she got away with it and like died? No, I think there was always like, she never, there was, she claimed that this was her mm. and there was always like some contention and she had like, People who believed her and people who didn't believe her. And then they finally, in the 90s, did a DNA test. And they're like, yeah, no. But it sounds like even though some people doubted her, she still was like, well, this is me and just like got away with it anyways. 
Yeah. You can just kind of force your way yeah. through, you know, even if people know that you're a fraud. Yeah. A lot of times you can just keep on keep pushing. Keep on. You just don't break Just stick character. with the lie. Yeah. Don't Remember, break character. It's not a lie if you believe it. George Stanza. <laughs> Um, this one's my favorite. Darius McCollum. He is a gentleman with autism. He's fascinated by trains. <gasps> this guy who this drives guy. the trains? Yes. I love He's him. He's been arrested 26 times. 26 times for impersonating a New York City transit worker, even going as far as driving an actual train when he's 15 years old. And the the article I was reading is from Times, and they're like, that he... They've like they've had like psych, you know, to talk to him and everything. Mm. And he has no plans on stopping this behavior. He's incredible the, at it, right? He does he, it perfectly. Yes, yes. Trains are because his special he's been interest. Arrested. It's his special interest. He does it so well. He knows everything about the New York City transit system. But he, because of all his like felonies mm. from being arrested from driving the trains, he cannot. Get a work job. for the transit company. It's too bad he couldn't have just started off as a train driver. Oh my god, he would have been perfect. It's like once you steal one train, yeah. they're not going to let you be in charge of I other know. trains. So what I'm are you like, going to do? What about NYC? What if you went to like a different city? Yeah, someone else. They might go to another country. Yeah, with the go to Japan. They've got a really intricate train oh system. Oh my gosh! Right. right? This, like, personal hero right there. That's um, one I, I... Apparently, he has, like, a huge fan club. I kind of support him, you yeah. know? He's not taking... He's not trying to overtake trains and do anything bad. He literally just wants to do a good job driving trains. Right? He's not hurting... He's not hurting I, anyone. He's not hurting any. If anything, he's, like, preventing it from happening, but... He's probably a better train driver than every single person who works for the transit system. He probably is. Just, I think they may need to make a special exception, but... <laughs> I support you, Darius. Yeah. Keep on... Committing crimes. Yes. <laughs> I do support crimes in this circumstance. Um, Princess Caribou in 1847, Mary Baker convinced the wealthy elites of Bristol, England, that she was Princess Caribou, a princess from the island of Javasu, which I think is made up, um, but I don't know for sure. So... Well, Princess Caribou is a wild name. Yeah, so. I know. Um, and then, so she made up the story that she escaped from an abduction by pirates. And then she uh, was later found out that she was the daughter of a cobbler in Devonshire, England. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. Live that lie. Victor Lustig is known as the man who sold the Eiffel Tower twice and the man who ran the Romanian box scam. He is a lifelong con artist from France who his the first time he sold the Eiffel Tower, he sold it for like $70,000 and this was in the 1920s or something. So it was a lot of money. Hmm. He made up his own like engineering firm he just like made it up he like forged papers he got like a scrap metal company to help him not i don't know if they actually knew what he was doing that he was like trying to forge things and ended up selling the eiffel tower that he didn't own to um someone who paid him like seventy thousand oh dollars the romanian box scam is uh, a wooden box the size of like a trunk that he said could print duplicate money. Oh, yep. I remember right? that. And basically, he just, it took like six hours and they would put the bill in and then he would just like go to a printer and print mm. excess bills and then give it to the person. And they thought that, that it like was a duplicate. <laughs> Somehow, like... <laughs> 
he was just like I guess making fake money and and but obviously the box was just a wooden box yeah. and then he ended up selling the box to like a couple different people and he sold it to like a bunch of people yeah a bunch of people <laughs> it was like a huge scam and then he even got Al Capone to um, invest like five thousand dollars into some sort of investment that wasn't even a thing incredible um i know this guy he just like he just kept going um and he was able to yes uh ferdinand damara is a man in the 1940s who posed as several different people including a lawyer a college professor and a naval surgeon on the royal canadian navy most notably in the royal canadian navy during the korean war he was found to save several people including taking a bullet out of a soldier's chest he had a photographic memory and looked up what to do in textbooks before operating on patients slash soldiers isn't this wild he's saved so many people on this boat on the ship and because of that success that's how he was discovered that he was actually didn't have a medical degree and not only that he's too good at his job he well he saved a bunch of people and they're like we want to give you an oh, award put and they're in the like yeah and they're like you don't even have a medical degree not only that but he went AWOL from not only the American army but the American navy God. And then just went up to Canada and just joined their Navy and said that he was a doctor. Holy shit. But he saved a bunch of people. Like the train guy. I bet this guy was the, also I autistic. Bet, yeah. oh, Photographic memory. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He just downloaded those brain files and he knew how to do <laughs> surgery. Like, what is happening? Could you imagine being the guy who got the bullet fished out of his chest? Yeah. And he was like, and then you find out the guy didn't even have a medical degree? Are you kidding? <laughs> But yeah, he was able to do it anyway. Right? It's not but like you're he just was... like <laughs> Anna Sorkin. You may notice know her more as Anna Delvey. She just had a Netflix special. Did you mm, ever watch that? I did. I had such a hard time getting through it. I listened to so many podcasts on her, but yeah. the actual Netflix special I thought was kind of dragged on. Oh my god, it needed to be like a ninety-minute movie and yeah. not. What was it, like 10 episodes? It was a lot of episodes. It was I did so finish many. it, um, Anyway, so Anna Sorkin uh, posed as Anna Delvey, who she sa- said was a German heiress, and she was like a socialite amongst the New York City elite from 2013 to 2017. She ended up like... Um, frauding about I think it was like $250,000 out of friends and businesses Mm. including racking up like thousands of dollars in hotel bills that she never paid Mm. um, saying that the money is getting wired over or something and it just wasn't through She's in jail. Yeah. Um, so and she, she was caught. Eventually. She was caught and she was in jail. I feel bad for the people who friended her. Yeah but also I feel like not to victim blame but some of it is like come on guys. Don't give people thousands. Come on. This woman. I I don't want to victim blame because I feel like it's a sheer miracle that I haven't been caught in a scam yet. (laughs) (laughs) And don't take that as a call to action to scam Kristen. Please don't. Please don't don't scam me. I'm just saying that I am. She will fall for it. So don't. No, I asked Christopher because I always get like the phishing emails and stuff. And I'm like, is this the phishing email? And he's like, Yes. (laughs) You're like no, a grandmother. No, you don't need a Nigerian prince to tell you what to do, you know? <laughs> but maybe. But maybe. And the last one, Grace, you were going to talk about. 
Oh, yeah. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. You suck. All I have written here is the worst. (laughs) That's all you need to know, really. All you need to know. So Elon Musk is the CEO of Tesla, right? And that's all he's really known for. But he's... And Twitter. Buying Twitter and running it into the ground. Bought Twitter. He made a bunch of really terrible financial decisions. But he is the heir to like an emerald mine, right? In South Africa or something. Yeah, that's where his fortune came from. He denied that he had money from that. And his own father came out and said... Yes, I own an emerald mine, and that's where your fortune came from. Yes, yes. And I think he's definitely, like, posed, like, I don't, just, like, very good self-marketing until now. um, That he's, like, kind of posed as, like, oh, I'm this, like, tech wizard because I founded Tesla. But that's not even it. He just invested money into the company. It was a group of engineers that founded Tesla. Yeah, he's just, like, failed upward. Right. He was, like, kicked out of, he was a start he he owned part of paypal back you know at the very beginning of that and they like kicked him out of that it's like all these things that he claims are big accomplishments on his resume but then when you look into it it's like no he was fired from that he was let go of that he was kicked out of that right right and he also claimed to have i think a phd in some kind of science field no he has a bachelor's degree in economics which is great and that's it but that's it. Yeah. He's not a scientist. He's a right. average businessman who was born rich into daddy's right. money. Right. And I even and I think when you like I even had coworkers who are like, well, I think I remember when he was buying Twitter, they're like, well, look what he did with Tesla. You know, he's an engineer. And I'm like, he's not an engineer. He's literally not. He's literally not an engineer. I think he's made this like fake persona that he is like this like tech wizard and he's, you know, an engineer and he knows science. And I'm like, no, he's just a guy with a lot of money who wants to invest in all these like new ideas. Yeah, he's like a shitty Iron Man. <laughs> and the thing is, it's worked. If you ask any fucking basement dweller bro, yes. he looks at Elon Musk as this, like, science god. It's but like, he's not. No. He just, like, has—he was born into money, and he wants to invest it, which is, I guess, fine. But I've from what I heard, it's not going well. Yeah. He doesn't, I tend not to follow he, him. He doesn't make good decisions. Yeah, I don't either. I hate the guy. But that just shows you— I mean, also, it helps if you're a wealthy white man that you can get away with a lot more of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So wealthy white men out there, start shooting your shot, man. Yeah. If anything, you should be more of an imposter because you can get away with it. You can get away with it. Scrub in for a surgery. Steal a train. (laughs) Yeah, steal a train. Start training tigers. The world is your oyster. You can do whatever. Fly a plane. You could do it. Make sure other people aren't on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would agree. Listeners, if there are other imposters you want us to cover or Mm. if you want us to deep dive, maybe we'll do an informative info dump about someone. If you would like us to do that, let us know. Write us in. I might have to do an informative info dump in the future about the guy who invented the lobotomy. Because once again, oh, that's that was right. just a man who started playing around with pickaxes in people's brains. He was like, what if we put a pickaxe or ice pick in someone's brain? Yeah. Their frontal lobe and just kind of give it a little zhuzh. Just wiggle around. Wiggle around. Good. Until they stop talking so much. Yeah. And then, boom, problem fixed there. for us. Hysteric- hysterical s- woman solved. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now she's silent drooling in the corner. Yeah. Boom. Just like we want Surgery. Yeah. Boom. You're so, welcome. So maybe I'll do that one in the future. There's um, also that woman, Renee Bach, but that's way less fun, where she, like, impersonated a doctor and, like, killed a bunch of fucking orphans. Jesus Which also Christ. plays into, like, white saviorism, you know? Oh, was that the girl who... 
She literally has no medical experience. And she, and she like, started like a medical practice in Africa. Yes. 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 Literally De- killed hundreds, hundreds of kids. By like deferring care. Yes. And just like. And people like trusted up with, her. Yes. Unbelievable. Which is, yeah. That we case might have to, is more tragic and way less fun to yeah, laugh about that is than really, Anna Sorokin. Yeah. So I'm glad we is, kept it light and kind of talked more about, you know, people who are scamming other wealthy people for the most part. Or just that's stealing fun. trains. Yeah. yeah if you're going to scam, sc- if you're going to scam, scam a rich person, you mm-hmm. know, scam a corporation. Oh, yeah. Scam Walmart, you know, scam yeah. Amazon, scam Amazon. Because they scam, scam a bank. Yeah. Yeah. Scam uh, a CEO. Employment. Fr- um, isn't employment fraud the biggest fraud that's committed in the United States? Oh, um, like um, uh, worker wage theft. Yes, is the, wage. Sorry theft. for the snaps, Christopher. Yes, wage um, theft. Wage theft, biggest theft. Yes, it's not people stealing at self checkout. It's corporations. No, if you see if you see someone stealing at self checkout at any big no, box you did No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Shh. Maybe we shouldn't say that on. I'm saying it. All right. I saw nothing. I saw everything, and I approve and support it yeah okay well this has been weirds of a feather <laughs> yeah <laughs> on that note yeah an adhd adjacent podcast i hope you liked our episode today uh if you want to send us an email you can at weirds of feather at gmail.com you can reach out to us on instagram uh we post polls every monday and then the results every wednesday if i remember uh lately I've been forgetting, but I'm going to do better. It's 2024. And if you would like to buy us a coffee, you can at kofio-fi.com slash weirds of a feather. And you can also join our Facebook group, Weirds of a Feather. And we post that stuff there, too. And people post stuff there, too. And it's a nice little fun time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our bod. Let's do that bod. We've got... The Great Bustard today. Bustard. And and my dyslexic ass read that as bastard. I did too. Lily said this to me on TikTok. Bastard. I thought the guy was just being mean about this bird and he was calling it the Great Bastard. That's what I said. I was like, I got to look up the name of this bird because I can't say the Great Bustard on a podcast. And... Or the great bastard on a podcast. Yes, you could. I mean, I could, but I was like, it's got to have like a legitimate name. This whole great bastard over this here. This great bastard of a bird. Look at this great bastard. <laughs> like, is it a compliment or an insult? I don't know. It's neither because it's the great bustard. Um, it's the heaviest flying animal. The heaviest Whoa. specimen was a f- uh, 46 pounds. And it lives in Morocco, northern Morocco, south central Europe, east central Asia. And Sister Lily sent this to us in a TikTok. Yes, yeah, Sister Lily. So thank you, Sister Lily. gets closest to it <laughs> i i don't know this is a hard this is harder than expected <laughs> <laughs> if only you could see our faces 
<laughs> All right.